0: This is episode 619 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Cheapest Foods That You Can Stockpile. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other Preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website, so, If you want some more information, you can go to prepperwebsite.net or you can click the link in the show notes. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast episode. I'm so excited to bring another episode to you. Hey, I kind of get spoiled when I do the interviews. If you missed the one from last week when I did the interview with Dr. Bones and Uh, nurse Amy and and I I said it in the interview it's so hard for me to call them Dr. Joe Alton and Amy Alton uh, because I've always known them as Dr. Bones and nurse Amy but if you missed that one go back and make sure that you that you listen to that one episode 618 it's a really great interview a lot of great information about uh, just beefing up your first aid kits and so like I said I get a little uh, I just get a little spoiled because it uh, was a great interview, and so I, I come back and I'm like, I want to do another interview. And I know that's not just the uh, the way that this podcast was really set up. Uh, but from time to time, I do those interviews, and I do have others set up. And so uh, you can be or you can look forward to to seeing or to hearing some of those other ones here in the future. And hey, before we jump into this, uh, article of the podcast I want to let you know that there is a survey every once in a while I think it's probably been about five years since I've put out a survey like a real big survey to everyone and uh, you know where I drop it on uh, Prepper website I you know I even push it out through social media or the last one I did I think and uh, you know email and all that kind of stuff so it's been a while and so recently or last week and I would have shared this on the podcast last week but I I released it after I recorded the episode and so I want to share it with you now so if you would like to go and give a little bit of feedback and a little bit of insight as far as where you're coming from from preparedness um, then I want you to have that opportunity to do that because uh, you know I look at that uh, survey or I look at the results of those uh, of the surveys that I do and that helps me to understand who the audience is. And I'm telling you, there's some really, some really big findings that I I see even from the last time I did the survey. And it's uh, kind of opening my eyes a little bit to who's out there. So I know that maybe the people that are uh, listening or I'm sorry, that are reading the Prepper website, you know, website, they're going there and they're reading the articles there might be just a little bit different than the podcast. And so if you would like to be a part of that, I want to drop a link in the show notes that you can go straight over there. Now, um, there are, you know, check boxes and things that you can do and those types of things. And there's also questions where you can actually type. So if you're comfortable doing that on a phone, if you're listening to this podcast episode on a phone, then that would be easy to do. But I don't know, you might be, uh, you know, you might rather do it on a desktop or on a laptop or on a tablet something along those lines but you definitely don't have to do it that way but anyway it's going to be there I would love for you to share your thoughts and your ideas about the questions that I provide on on that survey and give your feedback about where you're coming from from the preparedness community so again that's going to be in the show notes with a quick link, just with a lot of other things that I put in the show notes as well. You know, when I, when I create the show notes and when I think through how I want this podcast to to show up on your end, I think about all the ways that I go through podcasts and, and I, the things that I wish I would have in other podcasts, right? So sometimes I look at the show notes on another podcast and they don't have anything. They might see like they might say like, go to the website or something like that. And so I try to make sure that in the show notes, I make it really easy for you so that you can get to everything that I'm talking about and uh, it just makes it really easy for you or you can go over to the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and find everything that you need right there as well. So anyway, I I try to do that. Like I don't do the bumper music and all that kind of stuff because it's not something that I really enjoy listening to when I'm listening to other podcasts. I know that they do it. I know that that's part of the whole deal, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy that. So I try not to do that. Not something that I want to do on my podcast. So uh, hopefully you understand where I'm coming from. And I know that I've heard from a lot of you over the years that you appreciate that I don't do all that kind of filler stuff and don't spend a lot of time on that. So I'm spending a lot of time yapping here at the beginning. So let's go ahead and jump into this article. It comes to us from askaprepper.com. And again, the article is entitled cheapest foods that you can stockpile. Now, I want to preface this article by saying this might not, these might not be the best foods that you can buy. Uh, the article is entitled cheapest foods that you can stockpile. One of the things that I always hear, or actually two things that I always hear, is food storage is a big deal and people don't have a lot of money to prepare. And so, you know, this article kind of brings both of those things together and hopefully you'll get some ideas of what you can do if you're prepping on a budget Or even if you're just being a little bit more uh, frugal with your money and you want to be a good steward of what you're, uh, you know, what you're spending, you want to make sure that you can bring this, uh, you know, bring food storage into your home so that you have that. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, this article and I'm going to stop at the individual foods that this article talks about and just share just a few ideas, not a lot, but just a few ideas with you as we move forward. So again, coming to us from askaprepper.com, cheapest foods that you can stockpile. Let's go ahead and get started. Anyone who has ever thought about prepping quickly came to realize that it's not a hobby for the faint of heart. One look at what it costs to build a stockpile is all it takes to send many potential preppers packing. I personally know quite a few people who have expressed interest in prepping, but haven't started. The reason, in every case, is not having the money to do it. Keep in mind that none of these people have actually sat down to calculate the cost of prepping, nor have any of them looked at how to make prepping any cheaper. They are all basing their opinion on a vague idea of how much they spend per month on their grocery bill. That alone has been enough to relegate prepping to the nice to do if I can afford it someday pile. The difference between those people and us is that We found a way to make prepping an integral part of our lifestyle. For some, that has meant making some pretty heavy sacrifices in other areas of their lives. For others, it's about finding a way to make prepping cheaper. Still, others have found ways of integrating their prepping in with other areas of their lives, making the overall cost something that they can handle. Regardless of which group you fall in, we can all use a bit of savings on our prepping efforts now and then. So whether you're a new prepper starting out or you're looking to expand your stockpile so that it has enough to last you a year, I've searched out the best bargains and foods that you can stockpile. Keep in mind that we're talking about a survival diet here, not a normal everyday one. Its intention is to keep you alive, hopefully while providing enough nutrients that you can continue to function. It's probably not going to be the foods you like, or provide convenient foods to eat, but it will put calories in your belly so that your body can keep on going. All right, so the first food is white rice. Now, probably about the cheapest food you can buy out there is white rice, especially if you buy it in 50 pound bags. Rice is a staple in much of the world and can be combined with a wide variety of other foods acting as an expander and providing much needed calories, especially carbohydrates, which the body readily turns to energy. A 25 pound bag of white rice at Sam's Club sells for 38 cents a pound. Okay, so this article, what I want to say, this article is not going to talk about how to prepare these foods for long-term food storage. Of course, a lot of these foods you can just put in your pantry and you're good, right? Depending on whatever package it comes in. But if you're really talking about real long-term food storage, and again, this article is not necessarily talking about long-term food storage, it's just talking about food that you can stockpile. Then you can always use Mylar bags and oxygen absorbers and put, you know, those Mylar bags inside of 5-gallon buckets that you get at Home Depot and white rice will last can last up to 20 to 25 years if you keep that bucket inside maybe in a closet in a you know cool dry environment you know make sure you don't put it in a garage or in a shed or or something like that if you keep it inside it's going to last for a long long time and so white rice is one of those things the thing is, is that there's a lot of things you can add to white rice. You can, uh, you know, one of the things that we tried when we were experimenting with different foods and making foods last a little bit longer are the different kinds of soups that you can buy at the grocery store. So for instance, Campbell's uh, chunky soup, right? If you get a couple of those, Maybe you get two or three of those and you make a big pile of rice, you can serve a, a bed of rice and then put that stew or that soup over it. and it becomes a nice little stew and it's kind of hearty and you add some bread to that or some crackers to it, and people can uh, it can fill people up. Adding a little bit of you know, some spices, maybe some extra pepper, some salt, some uh, you know, some tonies in there, throwing whatever, maybe some hot sauce. You can you know experiment with whatever you enjoy, that can really make a decent meal that can be hearty and can fill your belly. And so white rice is one of those that you can add, and you know of course you wouldn't want to just sit there and eat it, you know just white rice and that's it. But adding adding something to it make it can make you go a long way. And so white rice is one of those things that you can easily store. It is cheap. And you can uh, you can store it for for your you know for your food storage, but you can also do it long term if you choose to do that. So with that said, let me say I do have a course that you can sign up for. It's free that will talk about long term food storage, and it goes through uh, it, it talks about you know food that you can buy at the grocery store like cans so canned food it talks about long-term food storage with mylar bags and then it talks about food that you can purchase like freeze-dried dehydrated food and so that is a free course i'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can go over there and do it it'll take you less than an hour to get through that course so i uh, highly recommend it especially if you're a little newer to preparedness and you want a little bit of advice there as far as uh, food to stockpile all right the next one is pinto beans beans of all sorts are a great source of protein as well as carbs fiber and iron of all the beans available pinto beans are the most common helping to keep their price low in doing so, they become the best single food for preppers to stockpile. Just make sure you stockpile a variety of recipes that go with them so you don't get tired of the same thing all the time. A 50-pound bag of pinto beans at Sam's sells for $0.64 cents a pound. All right, it is very true. There's a lot of things you can do with pinto beans, um, not only can you I mean you can just make beans you can do that uh, one of the things that my wife does is she makes the charro beans that you normally would get at a Mexican restaurant and uh, I'm so spoiled by eating her charro beans that when I go to a Mexican restaurant all the other beans are just they're just nasty tasting to me but there's so many things that you can do with it even people who are living on uh, gluten-free they need to eat gluten-free uh, not because of choice, but because their body just needs to, to have a gluten-free diet, you can get pin, pinto beans and you can grind them and use that for flour. And so that is one option there. And I'm not an expert on all of that, but I know that that has been done and that has been talked about. So there's a lot that you can do with pinto beans. One of the things I want to talk about with you know beans and then with the rice here is you're talking about needing water to cook these and uh, of course you're going to need water you're going to need a way to cook them and this article really doesn't take talk about any kind of uh, ways to cook them but uh, if we're talking about long term and uh, maybe there is a, a situation where it's, it's grid down and you need to be able to cook uh, you know over fire or whatever that's something to, to consider because you're going to need a source of fuel And then you're also going to need a lot of water as well when you're talking about cooking beans and talking about cooking uh, rice and and different things like that. One of the things that I have a little bit of experience with is using a solar oven and that worked really well and I was able to do a pot of rice and a a pot of beans and set it in the solar cooker and just I just left it, the solar oven, just left it outside and uh, I didn't even go out there and i I didn't keep you know aiming it towards the sun i could have done that it probably would have cooked a lot uh faster but it did cook and so that is one of those things that if you ever get the opportunity to get a solar oven really cheap then you want to uh you want to take take that opportunity and get one of those because that would be a great way to to cook if you ever needed to but again, pinto beans is one of those that like mylar bags. If uh, you or like rice, if you were going to get some mylar bags and oxygen absorbers, you can put away rice and pinto beans, um, and they would store for 25 years easily in mylar bags and five-gallon buckets. If you stored them away in a cool, dry place, right, like in a closet, they would last for a very, very long time. So, pinto beans, there's a lot of things to do with them. Again. I like the recommendation of getting some recipes because you don't just want to make beans and, and that's it. Uh, remember, you're going to need seasoning, some kind of, uh, you know, seasoning salts and, and whatever your, your favorite spices and all that kind of stuff. You're going to need that to go along with uh, some pinto beans if uh, you want to spice it up a little bit. All right. So moving on, the next is lentils. While any sort of beans can be good, lentils seem to be a great choice. Not only are they high in calories, but they're high in carbohydrates and protein as well. Some people consider them a superfood for their high nutritional value. Most often used in soups, there are actually a number of different things you can do with them. You can find dried lentils in your local grocery store for about 99 cents a pound. All right, so I got to tell you, I'm not used to eating lentils. I didn't grow up eating lentils. And so this is, this is one of those things where I don't have a lot of experience but I know a lot of people talk about it. And so that might be something you want to look into. Um, and I don't know, I might grab uh, a package of them and do a little bit of research and see, you know, see if I like them enough to be able to, to stockpile. I do, you know, the pinto beans i 100% with and, and rice. But again, I've never done lentils. So some of you are out there and you're like, Todd, you've never really dealt a lot with lentils. And like, yeah, no, I, I just haven't but there's a lot of you that have and you eat them all the time. And so that is one that probably you want to stockpile. It's not very expensive. Um, It's probably more expensive than a lot of the other things that we're talking about, but at 99 cents a pound, and uh, you can easily, you know, put those away when you're talking about, um, you know, stockpiling and putting them maybe in mylar bags. If you're wanting to do like long-term, long-term food storage, um, those are easy to do. Alright, so moving on with cooking oil. So I want to talk just a little bit about this one. So if you're going to have rice and beans, you probably need some cooking oil to go with them. While there are ways of cooking both of, them, both, or both of those food items without using oil, having oil on hand will help to give you more variety of your palate. It also provides a good source of unsaturated fats for your body. To make the most out of your food budget, go for the lower cost cooking oils like canola oil. This is also sold as vegetable oil or safflower oil. If you buy it in restaurant packs of 35 pounds of oil, you get the best price. The only problem is that you'll have to decant it into smaller containers to use it. A 35-pound box with a plastic liner of canola oil at Sam's sells for as little as 24 cents a cup. All right, so again, I want to remind you, this is talking about ways to do this cheap, right? Cheap foods that you can stockpile. The thing that you need to know and remember about canola oil, if you're not using it um, or oils in general, if you're not using them up, they can go rancid. And that is something that you really need to consider because if you go out there and you start stockpiling things and you're not going to use them, you're not going to have them on a rotation basis and you just put canola oil up and uh, you know, five, 10 years down the road, you bring it down, you're going to be uh, sadly disappointed when you, when you dig into that. So uh, some of the things that people were talking about is that you could freeze, uh, you know, canola oil and, and vegetable oil and different things like that. And, uh, you know, put that at the bottom of your freezer, if you have a freezer and you have it there. And so the minute that you need to get into it and it defrost, well then at that point, you know, the, the, the clock starts ticking as far as it going bad, but by that time you start, you get ready to start to use it. One thing to remember about oil is you can use it for other purposes. So instead of just cooking, if it goes rancid, you could use it for other reasons, like maybe in a lantern or something along those lines. So that's something that you can always do. It's not like you got to go throw it out. You can use it for other purposes. And so you can always research that and, and look for that. But there are in, and what I like about AskAPrepper.com is they have a lot of comments in the comment section and people are just giving other pieces of advice there. Uh, you just got to know that, you know, you're going to run into the fact that it's going to go rancid. Some people were saying it goes rancid really quickly. Other people were saying, uh, it will last for a longer period of time. And so you, you need to really do a little bit of research and do your own uh, due diligence as far as any kind of oils that you want to keep. A lot of people will tell you, you know, dealing with canola oil and vegetable oil and all that stuff is just not very healthy. And they'd rather, you know, use olive oil and, and other oils that are a lot healthier. So you've got to decide that. Again, I want to remind you, this is about cheap foods that you can stockpile. So you really need to think through you know what you're what you're stockpiling before you stockpile it. I, I just you know, I would caution you to stockpiling a lot of cooking oil because it can go bad all right so moving on flour and other grains so bread in one form or another has been a staple of diets around the world for centuries of course bread takes many forms not just the loaves that we know here in the usa the high amount of caloric energy stored in grains makes it an ideal food for those who need full bellies but don't have a lot of money to spend While grains don't offer a lot of other nutrients, they are high in carbohydrates, providing energy. A 25-pound bag of wheat flour sells for as little as 33 cents a pound at Sam's. Other grains will be more expensive. Okay, so again, flour that is ground up already is not going to have a very, very long shelf life. and So you've got to remember that. Uh, we're not necessarily talking about long-term food storage where you can put it somewhere and forget it. So I just want to make that very clear here. But you if you are looking at cooking uh, cheaply, you're trying to stockpile uh, food so that you can eat cheaply and make sure that you have enough of it if you know things go sideways, then you can store flour and you can again, one of the, the aspects of food storage is that you do things on a rotation basis. So if you are cooking, you are making bread and whatever type of bread you're making on a regular basis and you're just rotating it out, you're rotating your flour out, well then you you don't necessarily run the risk of it going bad. If if you're stockpiling, you know, you know, a bunch of bags of, of flour, right? But if you're thinking about stockpiling flour and then just leaving it there and not touching it for a couple of years, again, you're going to be sadly disappointed when you open up that flour. You just don't want to do that. If you're looking at, so let's not look at the cheap route here, although this is pretty cheap. If you're looking at uh, having some kind of bread, let's say things go sideways And you're wanting to to really have bread, you can go with wheat berries. And wheat berries are the actual wheat berry and they're not ground up. So they will last for 25 years. So if you you know you can find them on Amazon. If you have an LDS um, store, storehouse around you, you do not have to be uh, you know an LDS member to go in there and purchase. You can go in there and buy a case. Uh, uh, one or two cases and it's not very expensive because they come in number 10 cans and so you can open up those cans and you can grind your own uh, flour you're going to need a grinder and so you might need a manual grinder you might if you're doing this because you want to try to be a little bit more healthy and you want to uh you know get an electric grinder you can do that as well and you can play around a little bit in with uh, with making wheat bread and kind of go from there. There's um, you know we had a little bit of a discussion on that in the email group, and there's always people out there that are willing to help you and to understand what you need to do. So if you're thinking like the long long term food storage, then and you're looking for bread then that's the way to go if you are looking to stockpile because things are you don't like the way things are going here then you can just go get flour but just know that at some point it does go bad you want to be rotating that out and so you know that's another thing when we start talking about something like this like flour there's not a lot of people that make their own bread anymore And so if you've never made your own bread, if you've never gone through that route, that might be something you might want to try. That might be like a weekend project or something that you might want to, you might want to try and see what you can do, see there or do there. And, uh, you know, see how that goes. Uh, You never know, you might like it, you might enjoy it, you might like the product that you get, or you might say, you know what, if things go sideways, I don't know if I'm going to need bread. Uh, Maybe I can just, you know, come up with a very flat bread. Maybe I just need to make tortillas, right? I can't, I can't do bread. And so there's, uh, you know, you you get a little idea of what you can do here because going to the store and just picking up a loaf of bread, it's a lot different than making your own bread. Um, But making your own bread does smell really great. And so it can, uh, bring people out of their rooms to see what's going on all right so let's go ahead and move on to the next one is cornmeal you may not do much cooking with cornmeal but there's actually quite a bit you can do with the pioneering basic to start with you can make cornbread and cornmeal mush two recipes which have stood the test of time a little digging around will reveal other options to you a five pound bag of cornmeal cost about a dollar 98 at the local grocery store Or forty-eight cents a pound. So yeah, making cornbread. If if making bread is not something that you feel you can do or you want to do, having the ability to make some kind of bread with some cornbread can go a long ways. And uh, you've heard of people who have have made made cornbread and then used a little bit of milk in there and just uh, used that in kind of a soupy type you know meal. Um, that's just a way of of doing it there and i don't know i've never had cornmeal mush so i don't know if that's exactly what uh what that is but that is a cheap food that you can stockpile again if you're using it you're rotating it out that if things go sideways that you can that you can use all right so moving along the next one up is chickpeas So also known as garbanzo beans, chickpeas are a common food in Mediterranean countries with a lot of different recipes made from them, like hummus. While not as high protein as pinto beans, they do pack some protein as well as a variety of other nutrients. Just make sure you find recipes you can make out of them so that you can get the most mileage out of your chickpeas. A one pound can of chickpeas or garbanzo beans should cost 99 cents at your local grocery store. All right. So yeah, this is not one that I I would necessarily go to. I do not like hummus. I I know a lot of people that eat hummus. It's just not my thing. But uh, anyway, you know, chickpeas, if it is yours. Now making hummus is very easy to do and it is, you know, it could go a long way. So if this is your deal and uh, you want to go ahead and have it, you remember when we're talking about uh, food storage and we're not necessarily just talking about food storage because it's the end of the world. I mean, there's people that have food storage because and and have eaten off of their food storage when they have lost a job and they've got come on hard times. In the email group, we were recently or we've been talking about uh, just canned goods and we've kind of been going back and forth uh, through email on that. And, you know, someone was saying that they have given their canned goods before in the past to family members who were on hard times. And so that is one of those things about food storage that you have. It's not just for the end of the world. You might be eating it uh, because you lost a job. You might be eating it because uh, you didn't, you know, you had more, more bills at the end of the month that you had money. So you need to dig into some of that. Again, um, my recommendation always is that you're rotating these, these things out. And so it's not something that you just stick on a shelf and you leave there. But if chickpeas is your thing, then there you go. And again, like making hummus, uh, if that's your thing, is really easy to do. All right, so moving on, next up is ramen and other pastas. Now, Every college student knows that the cheapest meal around is a package of ramen. While not exactly gourmet, ramen does fill your belly and provide a good source of carbohydrates. You can doctor it up too, adding your own dehydrated vegetables and meat, turning it into a hearty soup, Ramen will keep forever as well and comes with its own seasoning mix. Of course, ramen is nothing more than pasta, cheap pasta. Any other pasta could be stockpiled as well, although it won't be as expensive as the ramen is. But those pastas work great as a food expander, adding them to soups and using them to make casseroles. Five packs of ramen go into go in to the local grocery store for about a dollar, you can buy larger packages of pasta at Sam's Club for about a dollar a pound. All right. Again, I just want to stress cheap foods here, right? That that's the purpose of this article. I don't necessarily like ramen. I don't. I I don't recommend them uh, for eating on a regular basis because it's they're just not good for you. I can understand having them for if you know the end of the world if things go sideways. You want. Uh, you want something to eat like that. And that's probably something that kids would, would easily eat and would provide a little bit of energy there. So in the comments, I know people were talking about doctoring it up and adding this and that to it and all those different kinds of things. Just on a side note, do you know that there are places like restaurants that uh that do ramen noodles and i just i know that there's a place in austin that they do ramen noodles and i had a friend that went to it and so i wanted to like hey so what was it i mean you're thinking they're making ramen noodles from scratch and stuff like that and that's not what it was at all i mean they're like using the packages of ramen noodle and they cook those up and you can add all these other you know fixings to them and that's what they ate and so i'm like man you you know you paid top dollar for, uh, you know, just making regular ramen noodles. Um, but anyway, so there's people out there that really like it and they really doctor them up. I guess you can do that if that's something that you want to do. You know, people in the comments were talking about eating or using the noodles and not necessarily using the season packets because the season packets are just filled with, you know, sodium and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, some people were saying that they go rancid. Other people are like, I've had them for years and they have never gone rancid. So anyway, uh, you know, you can just kind of take it from there and whatever uh, floats your boat as, as far as that. I, I to my, uh, you know, to my liking, I don't want to do ramen. Um, that really is for me a more of a last resort type of thing where I would just kind of stockpile it there and not really use it. Maybe give them away or whatever, but Um, you know there you go it's cheap and we're talking about cheap food to stockpile so next up on the cheap food list is oatmeal now I'm not talking instant oatmeal here which is considerably more expensive I'm talking about good old-fashioned rolled oats the kind that takes five minutes to cook rather than 60 seconds of just stirring in hot water nor am I talking about the flavored varieties which cost considerably more you can add your own flavor a whole lot cheaper the trick is going to be finding rolled oats especially in the larger packages which provide the best pricing but it's still out there otherwise we could never have oatmeal cookies. You can buy rolled oats or oatmeal in one pound canisters for about a dollar or 25 cents a pound bags at Sam's Club for about that much per pound. Next up is powdered milk. While not everyone's favorite one of the best nutritional deals out there is powdered milk. Pound for pound, you're going to get more out of the powdered milk than you are from just about anything else you can find. The best brands taste-wise are the Augustine Farms and the Nido brand by Nestle. Bought in five-pound packages at Sam's Club, this will cost you 24 cents per eight-ounce glass. Now, I don't like powdered milk as far as the taste of it. A lot of people say, you know, when you're talking about powdered milk, you can cook with it. So that might be what you want to do with it. I don't know. Maybe you have gotten yourself used to powdered milk. But anyway, it's out there. And that's something that you can uh, stockpile, I guess, if, it's, if you can find it cheap enough. Um, I don't know if I would have included it in the cheap foods. But um, they're talking about pound for pound here and uh, looking at it that way. So anyway, th- there you go. You can have that. You can decide if that's something that you want to stockpile or not. Um, powdered milk all right next up is and next up there's gonna be a couple of meats here and the way that they're looking at it I don't completely agree with but anyway let me get through it and let me go ahead and uh, you know I'll come back on the, on the back side and share my comments So next up is turkey Now if you want some real animal protein in your survival diet then I'd recommend buying turkeys at Thanksgiving time and converting them to jerky. Most grocery stores have a sale on turkeys right before Thanksgiving, selling them at a considerable discount. While some grocery chains will limit the number of turkeys you can buy per trip, they won't limit the number of trips you make, nor will they limit how many family members can buy a turkey. One year, I bought a dozen 25-pound turkeys in the before Thanksgiving sale. That gave us one turkey per month. For the next year, saving us quite a bit on our grocery bill but that was before I was doing my own dehydrating. Now with a dehydrator, I can turn that turkey into jerky, packing it away as part of my stockpile. Raw turkey can be extremely difficult to cut, especially if you want to cut it neatly. What I recommend is to make the cutting a process as the turkey thaws. Only cut off what you can cut easily, ideally the part which isn't quite frozen, but isn't quite thawed either. Then allow it to thaw a little more, Offering you more meat that is easy to cut. Keep going in this manner until you've stripped the meat off the bones. Currently, the average price of turkey is a dollar sixty a pound. But if you catch it before Thanksgiving, it's about seventy-nine cents a pound. All right. So I don't necessarily agree with turning the turkey into jerky for long-term food storage. Um, you've got to be very careful and make sure that you are doing it right. Make sure you are, you know, you've got a little bit of experience. If not, I think you can really hurt yourself and, 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 get pretty sick here. I do like the idea of storing turkeys in a freezer though. I think that's a great idea. Now, you know, one turkey, a 25, 25 pound turkey, every single uh, month, uh, depending on how you eat it. I mean, if you're, you know, using it in casseroles and soups and different things like that, you need to be very creative because people can get pretty tired of turkey like that. But I know that we have done the same thing back in the day when we had a bigger freezer. We would buy turkeys and we would have a couple of turkeys throughout the year and uh, and cook it up that way. So. I think that is a great idea when you're talking about maybe uh, saving money on food and trying to eat a little bit more healthy and making sure that uh, you know you you can stockpile you know a lot of meat away inside of your freezer. If you want to do the jerky, if you are you know experienced in that, then more power to you. Go for it, but. Uh, you know, I do think, you know, storing some turkeys during Thanksgiving, maybe buying one or two and putting them in a deep freeze. I think that is a great idea. So next up after turkey is pork. So he says here, I hesitate to put pork on this list simply because it has to be very well cooked to kill off parasites. Having said that, I've been getting some amazing deals on pork lately, approaching $1 per pound. More than anything, I've been buying pork loin because it's a larger piece with almost no fat. This makes it ideal for slicing up and making jerky out of. What? You didn't know that you can make pork jerky? Well, you can. You just need to be careful to dehydrate it fully and use plenty of salt. Once dehydrated, it will store for years as long as it is kept in an airtight package. Then, when you're ready to use it, you can rehydrate it in soups and other recipes. I just checked and Sam's Club has whole pork loin for $1.68 a pound. All right, so going back to the whole jerky thing, you got to make sure, you know, when you're cooking jerky or you're dehydrating uh, or you're making jerky, you got to make sure that the jerky, it's not like you're going to buy the jerky, you know, from the store where it's a little bit soft and it's a little bit, you know, you can, you know, bite into it and pull off a a piece uh, pretty easily you know, when you make jerky at home, you're making jerky and it is, it needs to be to the point where it's so brittle that you can easily break it. So you really need to dehydrate it really, really well. I don't agree with the storing it for years, but that's me uh, and so that's just, especially when you're talking about, uh, pork and, and, and turkey and things like that. I just, that's not something that I would do, um, more power to the author of this article. If he's doing it and he feels safe in doing that, then, uh, and then, you know, good for you, but I just, I wouldn't do that. So, um, but I do again, going back to the turkey thing, I would agree that if you can find pork for a a really great deal, then storing it in your freezer would be great. And that would be something that uh, you can have for long-term food storage. Again, if you, you know, we're not talking about the end of the world here. We're talking about if you need to break into your food storage for whatever reason, because you lose a job or, you know, there's not enough, uh, you know, money at the end uh, of the month to go to the grocery store again. You know, when you're making these decisions ahead of time and you're storing this food you don't necessarily lose a beat when you know for your family as far as feeding them because you have this stockpile of food there so again having a deep freeze i think that's always uh, a a good deal and then you can always you know stock it up with with food like when you find great deals on meat you know looking on craigslist and uh, some of the other places on there even if you're still on social media facebook marketplace you can find really great deals on deep freezes, people that are getting rid of their deep freezes um, and then or freezers. And then even on the Nextdoor app, I've seen some really great deals there where you can, you know, someone is moving and they're getting rid of their deep freezer and uh, they're letting it go really, really cheap. And so, you know, there are some really great deals out there if you're wanting to do that and add a deep freeze to your long-term food storage. All right, so let's go ahead and end it here. Uh, The next one up is drying your own foods. Just as with that turkey, there are many other foods which you can dehydrate inexpensively. Storing them away is part of your prepping stockpile. The real savings is that you're doing the dehydrating yourself, but in doing so, you store foods away that you might not otherwise be able to store, as well as doing it at a price that's hard to beat. That's even more true when you catch the foods in season and on sale. Here's a sampling of foods I'm recommending and their prices in my local grocery store. So potatoes, russet potatoes go for about 35 cents a pound. Sweet potatoes, a little bit more expensive at 88 cents a pound. Carrots, you can get them for less than 99 cents a pound if you buy them in five pound bags. And bananas typically run at about 48 cents a pound. Banana chips are great. Of course, if you grow your own fruits and vegetables, then dehydrate them. You'll be getting an even better price on them. All right. So that's the end of the article there. There are 69 comments. So a lot of people providing more information and ideas as far as this goes. It, when, I, when you talk about dehydrating, one of the things that you need to consider, like if you get one of those round ones, I can't remember the name of it. I mean, I had one at one point and uh, I got rid of it because I got a bigger one. But those smaller ones that you dehydrate it takes forever for your whatever you're doing, fruits and vegetables and you know doing banana chips takes forever to, to finally dehydrate. And then when you do, you're not doing it in such a quantity that you're able to really put them away. What winds up happening is everyone starts eating them. And so you spend all this time dehydrating these things like banana chips, and then they're just gone because everyone's snacking on them. I think um, when I was talking with Daisy of the Organic Prepper and I interviewed her a couple of episodes back, uh, she had the same experience where, you know, they would dehydrate and then the kids would eat them. Or if you're dehydrating strawberries or something along those lines, you know, kids start eating them as a snack. So if you're going to do dehydrate or you're going to dehydrate your own vegetables and your own fruits and and you're going to make jerky and stuff like that, you know, having a bigger, like an Excalibur, uh, would be better because you can do more trays and you can uh, you know you can dehydrate more at one time so that if you have people that are snacking you can do the snacking but then you can also put away some food if that's what you're wanting to do. The problem is excalibers are a lot more expensive than those smaller round ones that you can buy and so if, if you're talking about cheap foods and you're talking about saving money then you might not necessarily be buying, and Excalibur because you know they cost. Um, they're a little bit more expensive when you're thinking about those types of things. So there are ways that you can stockpile food. There are ways that you can prepare. There are things that you can do out there. Just a couple of things to remember here is you want to always rotate your food. I don't think it's a good idea. You know when when you are purchasing food. It's not a good idea just set it and forget it, right? That's not something that you want to do. You want to make sure that you're rotating uh, your food out and you're doing that on a regular basis. Uh, and you're doing that, you're, it's easy to rotate your food out if you're buying and you're stockpiling food that you're already eating. Now, a lot of people will say, you know, why do you want to have food that you're not going to, you know, that, why do you want to stockpile food that you're not necessarily going to eat, you know, if things really go sideways. You know, I, I think that if people were really hungry, they're going to eat food when they're really hungry, right? I, I think we, we really have never experienced that in America, at least the people that are alive today. Um, you have to really go back to the, you know, to the Great Depression. You really have to go back there and uh, where people, you know, didn't have all those different opportunities and still they made life work. When, when we talk about eating nowadays, we're so spoiled, you know, our kids are so spoiled, and we're kind of spoiled, and, and, uh, you know, I was talking about this with someone the other day about having meat at every dinner, you know, like, we don't always uh, have to have meat, we just, it's for us, a lot of people, unless you're vegetarian, I guess, um, have meat, I mean, it's one of those things, you have to have meat, or at least you feel you have to have meat, now, a lot of other societies around the world they don't they don't necessarily have meat for them meat is an expense I mean it's very expensive and it's a it's a luxury and so we are very spoiled here in this country as far as we well, when we're talking about eating and and different things like that so I really do think that if we got to a point where we were really truly hungry that we're going to eat, what we have even if that means it's rice and beans and so that might be a reason why you want to stockpile rice and beans for the long term but when we talk we're talking about just stockpiling for our regular stockpile that we're going through and we're eating and we just want to make sure that we have a big pantry that we can draw from then you want to rotate your food you want to make sure that you're storing what you eat And you want to make sure that you are putting dates on it so you don't don't lose anything. Now, you know, expiration dates, we've talked a lot about that on the podcast before. Food will go well beyond its expiration date that's on the package. But if you can mark your package uh, somehow with some kind of Sharpie, uh, when you bring it home from the grocery store, you can put the best buy date on there or you can just the date that you bring it home from the grocery store. that might be the easiest because you know some of us are getting a little bit older and it's those little ex- expiration dates are just really small. So it might be easier just to put the date that you brought it home from the grocery store. It's still going to be it's going to be pretty close, right uh, from the time that it was manufactured because they just don't let it stay on the shelves that long, but because they're always rotating anyway. So you know you do those types of things, and you can go through those. Uh, you can go through your your stockpile and It makes it easy for you to rotate it, and you're not wasting food. The other thing that I think is very smart, I don't think a lot of people do, and you know my wife and I learned this when we were running the group home for kids in CPS custody, is having a menu makes it so much easier to be able to know what you need to cook and what you need to have and again if you work off of that menu then you know that you're going to buy things for that menu you're going to make things that your family already likes and so i think having a menu of all the different things that your family will eat is smart and then you can buy the things for your pantry off of that menu and so that takes a lot of the guessing game out, it takes a lot of the time spending, you know, trying to figure out what to do if you can build a nice menu. And you know what, my course, my free course that I mentioned earlier that I'm going to link in the show notes talks about that. I'm also going to link to an ebook that is based off of that course that contains two worksheets. The the ebook is only $3. But it does contain two worksheets that I think are very helpful that I talk about in uh, that I talk about in the course that uh, you know I provide for you in that ebook. And so, if you're interested in that, you can go and check that out as well. So, guys, again, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes so you can go back and check it out and read the comments Uh, again. I think it's always helpful when there's a lot of comments because you can always go and then people are just providing a lot of content and uh, you know other ideas that maybe the author of the article didn't necessarily think about or um, you know didn't know. And so I think that's always helpful if you go and check it out. Uh, again, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 619. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Or you can click subscribe in your podcast catcher. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list. Now, that is different than the exclusive email group that I talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. Um, But this email list, it does get you into the Prepper website Email list community, and so I'd love for you to be a part of that. I try to send out uh, emails on Tuesdays and on Saturdays. And here's the thing when you do sign up, I'm going to send you a free PDF of 25 hand picked preparedness articles that you should read. Now, some of these articles aren't even on the internet, you can't find them on the internet any longer, but I have access to them because of the Wayback Machine and because I have the actual links that go there. So I was able to pull them up for you and so I make it really easy. So I'd love for you to be part of the email list and I'm going to give that to you uh, as part of joining up and I would love to, to see you there. Hey, don't forget about the survey that I mentioned earlier in the podcast as well. I'd love for you to give your feedback. I'm probably going to go about another, maybe a week and a half, two weeks, just leave the survey open. And then I'm going to go ahead and close it off and, and just do, you know, look at the the data that that I've received and, and kind of, you know, go from there. But I would love for you to be a, a part of that. And look, if you are looking for even more preparedness articles and you're looking for more preparedness information. I've got a lot of it over at prepperwebsite.com. So we link to somewhere between eight to 12 articles every single day. Over there at prepperwebsite.com and you'll find that on the main page but when you go to the top right hand corner you do the little drop down you're going to see other pages so we have pages that are dedicated to alternative news pages that are dedicated to uh, diy frugal living homesteading even uh, bible prophecy conspiracy firearms there's a lot of pages that are dedicated to specific topics that are related to preparedness and you can find a lot of great information over there so if you're looking for more there is always more and you can add to your preparedness in that way so guys with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until next week stay prepped and aware peace